0: You are listening to the podcast for Mid-City Vineyard Church, Mid-City Vineyard, a community faith located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana on Canal Street. You can check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church, also on Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard. My name is Brian, my wife, Christy, and I pastor Mid-City Vineyard, and uh, we're glad that you stopped in to check this out. In this particular talk, uh, we titled this, The Art of of change. It seems like uh, we're always looking to see ourselves change in some way shape or form and even in this society it seems more that we're all oftentimes trying to get other people to change and see things our way. There's a lot of yelling, there's a lot of shouting, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of change. And so we're taking a, a lesson from the Apostle Paul in his letter to Philemon about his slave Onesimus in this particular talk. So thanks for checking it out, we hope you enjoy. Much peace to you and to yours. Hey, well tonight, uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited about tonight, this, this talk, I, I'm hoping that this spurs on some things in your own mind and your own heart as you're moving throughout uh, the week coming up. I've titled this particular talk, The Art of Change. How do we actually go about changing, so to speak? I remember this this particular thing very, very, very well. Uh, I was really young. I think I was (laughs) 20. I was really young. Today, I took my boys to play paintball. This is not my intro. I'm I'm switching gears again. Today, I took my boys to play paintball. And there were these college students out there playing paintball. And uh, I I was talking to this one college kid and he kept saying yes sir to me. And it was like, it was the first time and I thought that's it. I I don't know what happened, but there it is. So when I was really young, uh, when I was a young man, uh, I was 25 years old and I had been working as an associate pastor at another church. I had been on staff there for four years at the age of 25. I was single, Uh, I loved being single. I had no kids. I had no responsibilities other than my job at the time. Now, it was a large church that I was a part of. And so this particular church, as a large church, this church had functions three, four, five nights a week. It was just, it was a regular thing. And the staff at that time was just expected to be at everything all the time. So Monday night, Thursday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, uh, the staff was was to be there, and I was committed, I was gonna be there, I loved being there, this was my job, I had no other responsibilities, this was what I did. Five nights a week, I was like, why not six nights? I mean, let's just do, let's just, we've got two more nights, we could do stuff. For. We were at the staff meeting one, one Tuesday afternoon, this is the part that I remember so so well. We're at the staff meeting, and there was even a small staff at that time, and we were going over the, the, the week and the month and all the things that were coming up, and one of the other staff pastors, uh, who was uh, a little bit older than I was, he was married, he had four children, they were, they were uh, fairly young children, and he actually asked, in the middle of the meeting, he asked our, our lead pastor at the time, if he could actually take off one of those nights, take off for one of those events, because they had family activities. And for whatever reason, I still don't remember why, because he wasn't asking me, I inserted myself in the conversation and I said, well, I don't know. I think it seems like, I mean, if, if, if a few of us are going to be here, we should all be here. I mean, this is a team thing, and, and we should really all be committed to this thing together. <laughs> and this, this fellow looks at me, you know, and he says, you know, Brian, <laughs> he says, uh, I know that you don't have children right now, and I know that you don't necessarily have very many other responsibilities right now. He says, but I'm, I'm hopeful that one day... Uh, this might make more sense to you. Um, but until then, I I understand. <laughs> but until then, until then, I understand where you are. But I'm just I'm just asking if, if I could take off one of these nights for one of these events. And it was really amazing. I find because now I uh, it's 13 years later and it's five children later for me. And I find so much grace and so much mercy in his response all these years later. Uh, I'm actually sorry that it took me all these years later. But, you know, I think about this often, this, because for me, it was one of these moments where uh, I thought, I thought it was a cop-out. I really did. I mean, I, but I, also you have to understand that when I was 25, I was a real, I was a jerk. Um, I was very arrogant. I was very, you know, cocky, which is arrogant. I was just I was kind of a turd. And so... Um, be quiet, son. That's not. That's not for you. Um, and he remained. This fellow remained my friend in all of my arrogance, and all of my. What was it? It was ignorance. That's really what it was. There are so many t- places in my life, personally, where I have changed. Uh, I think differently about things today. Uh, I think differently today about how a person should raise their kids. I had, I had many different thoughts when I didn't have kids about how to raise kids, but I think differently today. I think differently today about how one should go about trying to stay married, uh, because I've had to learn in the last 14 years how to try to stay married. Uh, I think differently today on, on uh, items like, uh, or issues like capital punishment. I think differently today than I did many years ago. I think differently today about Jesus than I did years ago. I think differently today about how to treat people who are different than me than I did many years ago. And, and you maybe think differently, too, also today about various things on the spectrum. And, a matter of fact, I want to ask you tonight, if you would, you're not going to share this out loud, but I'd like for you to actually think, just even right now, i give you a second. I w- I'm curious if, in your mind, you can think of a particular area in your life uh, or maybe an issue or a stance where you have actually changed. And I don't mean just a, yeah, maybe I think differently about that. I mean a real change. You've had a change of heart. You've had a change of soul, spirit. You've had a change of mind. Like there has been a paradigm shift. It, can you can you find that in your mind? Um, I'll give you just a second to think about that. So do you have one? Can you, can you show me like a half hand if you think you have something in your couple of you? Okay. okay. All right. So here's, here's the question. Um, and and I, I think this is very important. I would suggest that our life <laughs> maturing and growing and being shaped, it's, it's a process of experiencing and undergoing change. For all of our lives i think when we stop changing we stop growing when we stop allowing our minds to be transformed and changed even like that passage we started with from romans when when we when we stop when we're so set in our ways that that not even the holy spirit of god can can penetrate those things i think we're i think i and i say that humbly i think that's a i think that's dangerous territory but if you take an area where you have changed now it, just in your own thoughts how were you persuaded? How were you won over? How did that change occur? Really think about that. You know, were you yelled at? I mean, is that, is that what changed you? <laughs> Someone finally yelled loud enough. Or were you uh, punished into submission? <laughs> yeah, fine i've been punished enough times for this obviously it's just wrong i'll just change i mean that's the, that's one of the biggest things it, it, uh, this is my opinion but that's one of the biggest things that's wrong with our prison system is like we just punish people but we don't help bring about actual reform or change uh, uh were you judged into change has anyone have any has anyone in the room ever been judged and you were like wow they're really judging me i'm gonna change now i mean like when did that start working Now, think about this. How do you try to influence others to change? This is where it really gets interesting because I have found in my own life that I try to change other people, but not in the same ways that I myself have been changed. So no one's ever judged me into changing, and yet I find sometimes that I can be very very judgmental and think that that's going to change someone. No one has ever yelled at me or called me names and made me want to change. Matter of fact, when people yell at me and call me names, it makes me, more <laughs> it makes me want to keep going that way even more. So how's it work in your life? One of the coolest, in, okay, my opinion. One of the coolest books in the Bible. Uh, the book of Philemon, or Philemon, uh, however you want to say it. Um, I'm gonna read this particular book tonight, if I can find it, it's only one little bitty page. This book doesn't take very long, but I want to, I want to encourage you to just listen to, to this, and then we're going to make a couple of observations from this book. So Paul is being held prisoner. St. Paul, the, the apostle, is being held prisoner in Ephesus. And he writes it like this. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to you, Philemon, our dear brother, and our fellow partner, also... To this uh, girl, who is our sister, and this other guy, whose name I can't say, who is a soldier. Uh, To the church that meets in your home, Philemon. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all of God's people and your faith in Jesus. Now listen, Philemon, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Finally, he says, you're full of love, and I love that about you. Therefore, although in Christ, now listen to this, Paul says, I could be bold and I could order you what to do. I could tell you what you ought to do. But I prefer to appeal to you. Uh, on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, it is I, none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and me. Now listen, Philemon, I'm sending him back to you. He is my very heart. I would like for you to keep him or i would i would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while i'm in chains but i did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you would do would not seem forced but would be voluntary perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever no longer as a slave but better than a slave as a dear brother he's dear to me but he's dear to you too both as a man and as a brother in Christ. So Philemon, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me and I'll pay you back. Not to mention, Philemon, that you actually owe me yourself. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord to refresh your heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in the near future. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now, I read the whole book because I, I, I want to highlight a couple things, but if you don't pick it up in the book, it, this is what's so very important. This is a time when people owned slaves. Owning slaves in this time, in this age that Paul is writing, like owning a slave in that time is like literally today, like owning a stove. I mean, it's like, it's like having electricity to your house. You would never ever think in our society today to not have electricity or to not have a stove in your house. In that society, this, and you have to wrap your head around this because it's absurd, but in that society, that's what it was to own a slave. It's like, this is what we do. Philemon has become a Christian. Philemon came to know Jesus Christ through the ministry of Paul. Philemon owns slaves. He owns many slaves. He's a man of, of great wealth. Onesimus is one of Philemon's slaves. Onesimus escapes, he runs away. He ends up, now, this is the weird part. I, I don't get it. I mean, but he ends up in Ephesus. Hey, who's in Ephesus? Oh, Paul in prison. And Onesimus figures out and he runs into Paul somehow. And Onesimus listens to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gives his life to Christ. He comes into the kingdom and his heart and his life and his spirit are changed. Now he's he's a brother in Christ. And then Paul says, hey, hey, Onesimus, I'm going to write a letter to Philemon and I'm going to give it to you. And I want you to head on back. And give Philemon the letter. And what are you thinking if you're Onesimus? Like, I'm a slave. I don't want to go back. I ran away. But, okay, Paul, you're going to write a letter. So surely you're going to write stuff like, hey, slavery is bad. Like, Christians don't have slaves. Stop it. But he didn't do that. Like, this is mind-blowing to me. This is one of the most confusing books to me, personally. I mean, because Paul, Paul laid a lot of stuff out there, didn't he? I mean, he, he, he? He told people stuff all the time. And yet, when he had the opportunity, he didn't say, don't have slaves. He didn't say, it's not good to own people or think you own people. He sent him back with a letter, and he said, Onesimus, go give this to Philemon. And Philemon, as you're reading this letter, here's what I'm asking. I'm I'm asking you to consider setting Philemon or Onesimus free. But at the same time, if nothing else, receive him back into your home and treat him as a brother. So even if he continues to work for and or with you, treat him as a brother. Mind-blowing. Uh, anybody else? Like, isn't that... <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, honestly, this is one of the books that is most confusing when, when, when slavery was still a thing, even in the U.S. And, and, and Christians were like, no, no, if slavery... I mean, Christians defended slavery up until 100 years ago. And and, and this was one... No, 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 if slavery was wrong, you know, Paul would have, would have said it. You would think. But there are certain things that... And slavery is not the only one. But there are certain things in Scripture that, that we... Uh, that's a different subject for a different day, but Paul didn't address it that way. But we, we are to continue to, to read between the lines and, and, and figure this thing out as kingdom people. So what's going on here? Well, I think this is part of the art of change. And, and this is so important because, listen, friends, we live in a society <laughs> where you can yell till you are blue in the face. You can post stuff on Facebook all the day long. You can post all the activist videos. You can post about all the change you want to see all day long. You can yell. You can judge. And it won't do diddly squat. At some point, we've got to get our feet dirty. At some point, we've got to get our hands dirty. At some point, we've got to be engaged and involved in in, in moving things forward. Here are a couple things that are needed when it comes to change. First off, how do we change? It takes a willingness to actually hear. It takes a willingness to hear. And this is probably one of the things that, that most saddens me is that I just, a lot of times, I, I find that people, myself included, we get dug in, we, we dig our feet in, and we're like, nope, I've already figured this one out. I know exactly how this is supposed to be. So for me, I had strong stances on, and I'll, I'll even use some political issues. I had strong stances on capital punishment. Uh, you know, I just, I used to think, I'm using that one because I've used it a few times, so I know I've already blown my cover. But I, I used to think, you know, we should just, you know, they did the crime, we should just put them in a chair. And, and, and I just, honestly, I just, I cannot go there anymore. But I had incredibly, incredibly strong feelings. And my feet were dug in. And I had to go on a journey at some point and decide, wait a minute, what for me, what are some things that the Spirit of God might be saying to me about this? Maybe, just because I have a strong stance, maybe because I was, just because I was raised in a certain way, maybe it's not necessarily the way that my heart is to lean. Again, this is, you know. but what is it for you or where are the things for you? I mean, another one for me was parenting. <laughs> I was an amazing parent before I had kids. I was probably the best parent before I had kids. Yeah, right? So, and, then, and then you go and have these, thi- these kids, these things. <laughs> <laughs> then you go and have these things. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, dear God. So, um, you know, it, so here would be a question for you. When it comes to your, your own ability to change, who do you trust? Who do you trust? Who in your life has your ear? Who gets to actually say to you, have you ever thought that that might not be the right thought? Have you ever thought as a Christian, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, have you ever thought that maybe that's not the way Jesus might lean? Who has your ear? Because we also live in a society, make no mistake about this, where individualism is continuing to, continuing to grow in power and in desire, and people don't want to be told anything by anybody. Now, who, do, who do you trust? Who's allowed to challenge you? Who's allowed to challenge your thinking? Who's allowed to challenge your life? And I'm not saying who's allowed to judge you. I'm saying who's allowed to challenge you? Who, who actually has your ear to say, yeah, you know, I, I never thought about that. And I, or I did. I don't really want to anymore, but I'll do it now that you've said something. Uh, that's part of changing. That's part of how we change. Also, part of how we change is when and how we help others to to navigate and we follow the spirit is that we would be people who partner and speak in love. We partner with other people. That's the thing. So I got off Facebook this week. I told you I had to get off Facebook. I had to be off for a week because I was going berserk because there's just too much stuff, especially with the the politics and the stuff that was going on and and, and you know, there there was so much yelling. And there was so much name calling and there was so much degrading and there was so much like it was painful and yet there was so much fighting and 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 biting back and and it's nobody's changing nobody's changing through any of that so how are your how are your communication skills are you, are you growing in that you know so that you can actually have conversations with people and say hey wow, have you thought about this how, how are you at, 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 at hearing, or at least thinking that you're, you're hearing the Spirit and, and encouraging people in the ways of love? That, here, here's, my, here's my telltale these days. Like I go to Matthew 5, which is the Beatitudes. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, it's like Jesus' greatest sermon. Uh, and I just kind of see, well, does this line up with Matthew 5? And if it doesn't, then my thinking might be slightly wrong. <laughs> so if my thoughts about the poor, or my thoughts about... Uh, people who love peace, or my thoughts about people who love creation, or my thoughts about uh, people who desire to, to help the less fortunate, or my people, you know, my, my, my thoughts about uh, immigrants, my thought—when coming to anything. I mean, Jesus pretty much covers everything right there. And so I just start to weigh it out. And I'm like, well, I don't know if my line, if my thoughts line up so much with Jesus here. So let's see what Jesus might want to say here a little bit more. And then I do it in conversation with other people, because I don't claim to have like this direct automatic direct line to Jesus where he just downloads a bunch of stuff to me. Um, the way God download, downloads most stuff to me is through conversation with other people in a relationship. And then the third thing when it comes to change is the Holy Spirit. Man, nothing's going to happen in, in our lives apart from the Spirit of God. Just, it's not. Nothing's going to happen in our hearts and souls and minds and thoughts apart from God God speaking and the Holy Spirit m- I I use the word moving. I don't don't know what other word to use other than that God's just, God loves us so much. And God is so benevolent. And God is so amazing that God just, God absolutely desires that we would continue to grow in love and mercy and beauty and grace and kindness and gentleness and generosity and all these things. And so we must be in, in, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you think about this? What do you think about this area of my life? What do you you think about this decision that I'm thinking about making? What do you you think about how I'm I'm going to discipline my my children in this situation? What do you think about how I'm going to speak to my daughter, uh, my grown daughter, who's addicted to whatever in this situation? What do you think about how I can, what what is it, you know? What do you think about my own pain in this situation? You know, where is the beauty? What, What are you doing? Is there anything? So in today's world, there's just a lot going on. And there's a lot of stuff that's not drenched in love. In this country, uh, <laughs> there is discrimination and racism running crazy. I know a lot of, and it's, it's you know, I'll say it, this is, this is hard, but I think this is truth primarily white people think that racism died in, in, the, in the 50s, you know, like civil rights, we conquered it. But it, it no, <laughs> it got started, like we're, it, we're making progress, but it's not over. I mean, racism is still, it's just going on. Discrimination is still going on. Sexism, it's alive and well. It's alive and well. I mean, when you, when you honestly look at the situation and women don't make the same wage as men, for the same job like that's that's sexism we we can call it anything else that we want but it's just it's it's just alive and well this stuff is going on um there are communities of people in this country that are just under constant attack and and we we have to my my encouragement is we got to have eyes to see it we need to have eyes to see these things um I, th- I think that violence in our country is out of control. It's hard to argue with that. But violence is out of control. And here's the thing, a lot of us, myself included, you know, we do think you know, if we can get the right politicians in the right offices, then they will change some of these things. And here's the deal, some of them might change some things. But then in four years, someone else is going to get elected from the other side, and they're going to try to unchange those things. Um, you know, I, So you, you can fall on all these different areas. But the thing is, as Christians, how are we allowing ourselves to be impacted and changed? And then what are we thinking through? And how will we, and, and I'm, I'm really, for this. us as a mid, it's mid-city vineyard, in our little community, let's do that real quick. In our community, I want you to know, in mid-city, there are thousands of undocumented people in this community, they are undocumented, and I want you to know that they are living in fear. Now, you can think anything you want about uh, what you know, whether or not people should be deported, and and all these kinds of things. But here's the bottom line: as a Christian. There are thousands of people in our community. Some of them are my own neighbors. It's not my responsibility to see them deported. What my responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ, who is benevolent and beautiful and gracious and merciful, and these are people who are scared, is to figure out practical ways to love and to bless and to be merciful and gracious and have an open heart to people. That's... You know, that, that, that school Esperanza that we just did these groceries for, I want you to know that that school is, I think it's around 30% or so of those children are here, and they're, they're undocumented. And those So I, I applaud you, church, because that's who, that's who you were taking care of when we delivered those groceries. Yes. In our community, there are gays and lesbians and transgendered people who are feeling scared and alienated. They felt this way. Uh, six months ago they feel this way today and it it breaks my heart personally because i I think that we you know we can't just post good things on facebook and be like we should all love and then not love like we gotta we gotta figure this out in our community education is suffering like the education is still suffering in our community it's getting better but it's you know so what are we and I'm, i'm serious this is on us What are we going to do? We're we're going to find our way at some point. I don't know how, but we're we're going to make inroads. But we're going to figure out ways to help to mentor kids and and be big brothers and big sisters or whatever. I don't know. You know, in our schools and in our neighborhoods. Christy and I, our house is becoming like it's like the house in the neighborhood where if the kids are off of school, our house is like Grand Central Station. They're knocking all the day long. Come boys. (laughs) They're like, yeah, in our neighborhood. Yes, come on in, let's play. Oh, you're going to eat all of our food. Wonderful, okay. Back to the grocery we go. (laughs) They found the snack drawer. In our community, men and women are spending their lives in jails. And they're not being reformed. And no one's coming to see them. In our community, the homeless shelters are full. And so are underneath the bridges. I don't just want to talk about this stuff. I want us to keep moving. I want us to figure out how we're going to to connect and how we're going to love and how we're going to be changed and how we're going to see change. We can't just yell at the problem. We can't just stare at the problem. We can't just post on Facebook about the problem. But here's what Paul does. Paul says, listen Philemon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to treat Onesimus the same way you would treat me. So he didn't say, slavery's bad. Get rid of your slave. But he did say, treat Onesimus the same way you would treat me. That was kind of a tall order. I wish we knew what happened at the end of this letter. I'm, I'm serious. I'm really curious. I'm like, what did Philemon do? Because I read some commentaries this week that said that this letter was actually read in a public setting. Like, so could you imagine if we were like, so Sean, your slave is back. And we have a letter from Paul. Sean, treat your slave as well as you would treat Paul. So, I mean, what's Sean gonna do now? Duh, oh, crap, okay. <laughs> I'm in. Right? And that's what Paul wanted, because you know. So the question is, and let's let's finish with this. Why didn't Paul just say setting free? And here's my here's my theory. Here's many of the commentators and scholars' theory. Because it was so ingrained in the culture that it would have been such a radical shift that more than likely, Paul would have lost his influence. More than likely, had Paul said, this, uh, it, you've got to remember, I, I know you, it's so hard to wrap our heads around, but this was built into the social fabric. Okay? This, this wasn't just like some kind of thing that might be seen as a sin. This, there was no, there was no thought that this could be in any way, shape, or form. It was built in. It was part of the fabric. So for Paul to say, hey, by the way, slavery is bad, more than likely, there's this thing that would have happened where Paul could have potentially lost his influence. And this actually could have, in some ways, actually driven a wedge between these people and even Christ. So now, all of a sudden, my mind's really blown. And I feel like I could preach a whole other sermon on this itself. But I'm not going to, I promise. But you've got to think about this. How do we, as followers of Jesus, how do we connect with people and how do we move in grace and mercy and continue to understand that the life of following Jesus is a process? It's a process for me and I want you, please, to respect the process. Like my friend at the beginning did, Brian, you don't understand this today, but maybe one day if you have kids you'll understand this. What a gracious answer. And so, and he and he remained my friend. And so we continue to just move and ebb and flow and understand that the kingdom of God is beautiful. It's in the soil, and it just it's like a mustard seed that just over time begins to grow. And this is my prayer for us that we would continue to spur one another forward, that we would continue to allow ourselves to grow in line with the Spirit of God. So tonight, uh, I think I'd like to, I, I, just, I would like for us to stand together. I'd like to pray for us. And, and as we do this, I'm going to give us 30 seconds. I, I think silence is such a, a beautiful gift. I'm going to give us about 30, 30 to 60 seconds of just silence. And I want to ask you, just in your own reflection, maybe you just say your prayer under your breath is, Holy Spirit, what are you inviting me into here? Where are you, where are you speaking? Where are you moving? Where, where are you growing, shaping, forming, maturing me? And So I just I create space for that. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence now. And Lord, we ask that You would indeed just cause something to resonate here. now, church, as we go tonight, may the Lord God open your eyes to the beauty that is all around. This week, may the Spirit of God continue to shape and form and mold your heart, your thoughts, your spirit and soul. I pray that the Lord this week would give you eyes to see all the, all the things and all the conversations and all the, all the, the, the amazing things that God is doing all around you. We pray that the Lord would open your eyes to see the needs in your neighborhoods and in our community. So may the Lord God bless you this week. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you. May the Lord give you peace and fill you with a sense of awe and wonder as we go this week. We pray all these things tonight in the name of God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.